I want to ask a question. Have, have you ever felt fragmented? I mean, other than probably this morning, 20 or 30 times. Too busy with things that uh, take up your agenda. Shaken by some of the events, either locally or worldwide. Certainly we have those in front of us. Sudden loss of a job, a relationship that's broken up. These are moments that disorient and depress us, or usually both. Well, perhaps that's what occurred that Sunday. It was actually Sunday afternoon, as Cleopas and the other, the other was not identified, were moving from Jerusalem to, uh, to Emmaus. Actually, I think that's how it's pronounced. At least I've heard it that way more than Emmaus, so I'm going to go with Emmaus. So they're, they're moving about seven miles in this journey to the little town of Emmaus from Jerusalem. And Jesus appears uh, evidently incognito. They don't recognize him. And he walks with them for a while. And as the conversation begins, it's got to be kind of peculiar. Not only do you not recognize Jesus, but he begins to start with Moses, we're told, uh, to, to elucidate the scriptures pertaining to the coming of the Messiah. So as they moved on, it must have been a, a fairly long conversation because now it's drawing close to evening and they ask him uh, to stay with them and share a, a, a supper, a meal together. And they were telling him of all the things that had taken place in Jerusalem, of all the things that occurred, and how they'd gotten their hopes up thinking that this, this Jesus was really the Messiah. He was the one they had longed for and hoped for. And then he was betrayed, and he was crucified, and he was dead. So they were discouraged as they heard this news. This is the afternoon of, of Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday. They'd heard rumors about uh, women uh, coming to the tomb and finding that the body was not there. And they said, now what does that mean to the early faith? As we follow through on the story, we then move to supper, and it's uh, interesting to me as Jesus breaks the bread and as he passes the cup, and he begins with thanksgiving. Don't forget that. Everything he did, every prayer he lifted up, always began with thanksgiving. After giving thanks to God, he broke the bread and he passed the cup. And in that action, uh, they began to see the connection with the Jesus they had known, or at least in many ways heard about and hoped for, Everything they had been told is changed, and they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And uh, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And I was looking at, at the altar, and I said, I don't, I don't quite remember if it said in remembrance of me or remember me. But so many altars uh, in churches that I have served, I'm sure that you have uh, gone to or visited, you see uh, if there is an altar, the words, in remembrance of me. So, yep, I see it's there in remembrance of me. And in some shape or form or another, if there is an altar, very, very frequently you find those words. So they didn't recognize Jesus when he was walking beside them. He was in the breaking of the bread and the passing of the cup. Well, in terms of uh, being a whole person uh, in a broken world, I was thinking of all these, these little incidences that come our way. Uh, the good news of a, a child born into a family uh, the sad news of a friend you've known for many years, perhaps, but you remember the good things of their life and you celebrate 
of the joy that comes our way. All the little fragments of our life and how when they are put together sometimes, you end up with a greater sense of joy and purpose and fulfillment and understanding of life than when you see just the fragmented pieces of those events. And so Jesus was sharing just pieces of the gospel that they knew for sure related to the coming of the Messiah. Well, I was uh, thinking about how piecing things together uh, is, is familiar to people who do quilting. I don't know, have you got quilters here this morning? Oh, good. I uh, remember I was not... Sorry? Your daughter is. Oh, I can take credit for that. I was not much into quilts, uh, but my wife was, and so we ended up going to these uh, shows. And as I, I, I went to them, I began to see how there's an incredibly beautiful design for all these little pieces, and so varied. People originally took pieces of their, their family's clothing or bits of fabric that they no longer use, and they gave them new life through putting them in a quilt. And I knew that part of it, but I didn't think about the design. If you've ever gone to a quilt show, they are spectacular with what uh, people manage to do with strips of, of fabric. Now I think typically they buy the stuff they want initially. They have the design in their mind. But once you go to a quilt show or several quilt shows, you begin to see, well, we even have a couple on the back of the church here, pieces of our life together. And I was thinking about quilts and how they uh, give us a sense of tying together uh, a design of life, if you think about it. The design itself is not known until the quilt actually becomes a quilt. And then you sit back and you look at the beauty of these pieces of, of fabric, typically fabric, I don't know of other materials used, and how they uh, are put together and ultimately you see the design. I was uh, thinking about how we are called on this third Sunday to, to focus on what occurred to Cleopas and the other, not identified by the way, as they were walking on their way to Emmaus and then shared that meal with Jesus and disappeared, we're told. That might be an intriguing part of the story to, to lift up. But it was in the breaking of the bread and in the passing of the cup after giving thanks that they recognized Jesus. And then they said something interesting. Didn't our heart burn as he revealed the scriptures to us on the way? So as a reflection of what occurred on the journey that afternoon on the way to Mass. So I was thinking we move uh, and can move from triumph, excuse me, from tragedy to, to triumph. It's, we, we can choose to live the, the triumphal life or we can focus on the tragedies of life. We have that choice every time. And in the broken bread and in the past cup, we have a sense of the choice of triumph over tragedy. That still is our choice today. Where is it we focus our attention on all the little disparities of life, the dispirited things that, uh, that seem to overcome us, all the concerns about our health and our loved ones, and we care so deeply about them, and we lift them in prayer, and the prayer is sincere, but we can so focus on the woundedness or the, the fears that our faith doesn't allow us to see the design of triumph. So tragedy or triumph. Possibilities, not problems. I was uh, thinking about small things. I don't know. If it's, a, it's a little thing, I guess, and as these little pieces of our, our life are, 
But you know the importance of saying thank you. Every time Jesus began a prayer, uh, he, he began with thank you. It's a small thing to, to get a thank you note or to say thank you to somebody who uh, did something nice for you. What a difference. You first felt it when you get a little thank you card in the, in the mail and said, thank you, we appreciated something you did for us. It's a small thing. What a difference it makes, however, when all those small pieces woven together impact you in the way you live and, and move and, and have your, your being. So the small things, like saying thank you, and if you need to say thank you to, to somebody today, go home and, and write them a note. It makes all the difference in the way they, they live. I was uh, thinking it was in retrospect that Cleopas and the others looking back at that walk, realized how Jesus was tying together all of the prophecies related to the coming of the Messiah. But they didn't see it. There were small parts of his, his message, certainly compared to the, the three days from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. All the little things. He helped them not so much to understand with his mind, but to feel with his heart. That's a revelation. You know, when we make, when we connect the dots, if you will, and realize who Jesus has been uh, with us, who he has been and how he has been with us in all the, the difficulties and changes of our lives, the good and the bad as well, all the little disparities, and we don't see the design until after the fact. Do we choose to focus on the tragedies or the triumphs? That's up to you. And so many times it's all the little things that we do that when we sit back and look at our life as a spectrum, we see the Kairos moments, the moments of feeling and of love and being inspired, transforming our defeats. Kairos moments. This is what occurred uh, in that, that room, I think. They, they saw, they felt, they experienced the power of the resurrected Christ in retrospect because they didn't recognize him initially. Now they feel and see and understand with their heart. Didn't our hearts burn? It's funny. Uh, John Wesley had been a Christian minister all of his uh, young career, but it wasn't until uh, 1738 it would have made him about 35 years old and been a minister for a long time. He was a Ph.D. in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. But it was uh, on that night in May that he said, I did firmly believe that Jesus did die for my sin. So he's in his mid-30s. He'd already been a well-known preacher and leader in England. But until that, that May 24th night in 1738, he didn't actually know Christ in his heart. He said, I felt my heart strangely warm. From that time on, the Methodist movement became known as the Church of the Warmed Heart. It wasn't his brilliance. He was Latin, Greek, and Hebrew expertise is coordinating and organizing genius. It was the warm heart. So we recognize Jesus not through the left side of our brain as much as we feel the fire of his love for us. And it occurred that night after he'd given thanks and broken the bread and passed the cup. And they changed from those who were fragmented and fearful those who triumph over the tragedy. Well, from helplessness to hope, or hopelessness to hope, I was uh, mindful of a story told by a carnival barker. 
I don't know if it was a true story or not, but I presume it was. It was uh, challenging those people who come to the carnival to a contest of strength. And the, the contest was this. As people paid their dollar, they could take a chance in squeezing one more drop of juice from a lemon rind. And man after man, perhaps there are some women in there, I don't know, uh, attempted to squeeze one more drop out of the lemon juice after it had been squeezed by the circus strongman. And there was a long pause. And finally, after several attempts, one kind of smallish man uh, stood up and he said, I'd like to try. And so he paid his dollar. And there was little hope in this kind of smallish man doing anything more than several of the others who appeared to be much stronger. He, he took off his coat and there was some smirking, no doubt going on in the congregation that was there at the carnival. But as he took off his coat, he began to, to squeeze. And sure enough, after a few moments, people were watching and were amazed to see a drop begin to form out of that rind. They couldn't believe it. Several strong men had gone before him and nothing happened. They couldn't get one more juice. But a drop was really beginning to form on that lemon rind. And sure enough, it dropped to the ground. Well, he got his thousand dollars because he got one more drop out of the, the lemon rind. The, the carnival huckster said, you, you got to tell me, where on earth did you get that squeezing power with your hand? He said, well, it's kind of simple. You see, I'm the treasurer of the local Methodist church. <laughs> Moving from hopelessness to hope. You know, the the event that Easter afternoon moved these fragmented men and women to a different place. And they returned to Jerusalem and they were met up with the disciples who had already begun the fire. What is our ministry to people who are going through changes and discouragement and hopelessness? I, I want to share a story, a true story. It happened to a clergyman in our conference. He uh, was going through, as I recall, as a divorce, but it was some tragic event in his life, and it had overcome him. He was uh, not getting out of the house very much. This part of it was true. So he and his son were at the house most of the time. And the parishioners, he was a pastor, and the, and the parishioners were bringing him food, such as would occur after a funeral or some event that was tragic. And they brought food to his house, and he and his son ate the food with one major exception, and that was the green jello. Now, if there's some lovers of green jello here, forgive me. But this is a true story. As he told it, finally, they'd not gone out of the house for several days, and they ate up all the food that had been brought to them except for the green jello. It turns out they, neither one, he nor his son, liked green jello. And so it was the last thing, and finally they came to that place where they had to eat the green jello or throw it out. And so they, they gave thanks and they, they ate the green jello. And then they remembered that this was a gift of love from the church members to them to help sustain them during that particular rough time of their life. And recognize that that green jello, given out of love, was changed into energy for them to face the future and they gave thanks. Some of those tragic and fragmented events of our life are parts of the thing 
that turn into a design of beauty and encouragement and hope for others. And there's a great future for this church here in Oroville going forward. We don't know how, what it is, but we trust that with God's hand, the design will be more clear as we move forward. Let's pray together. Heavenly God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to, to warm our hearts once more, to be on fire for the, the Lord to triumph over death itself on that first Easter Sunday. Fill us with that grace and that warmth and give us a vision where you would have us move and live and have our being every day, grateful for what we have and sharing the message of hope for others as we have it in Jesus, the resurrected one. Lord, for that prayer. Amen.